Hello and welcome to Let's Talk Period, the podcast for people who want all things real, raw and reputable, where we smash taboos and break down stigmas. I'm your host, Isabella Gosling, and I am so delighted that today's episode is with Daisy Richardson. Now, that name might sound familiar because Daisy was a back-to-back contestant on two seasons of Australian Survivor. Daisy grew up on her family cattle station in southwest Queensland, about a 12-hour drive from Brisbane, and attended boarding school for a number of years. Now, since the onset of her period and symptoms at age 14, she has experienced countless dismissals from medical professionals and so many times being told that there was absolutely nothing wrong with her. However, it was in 2017 that Daisy was diagnosed with endometriosis after over 10 years of symptoms and misdiagnoses. Daisy is passionate about connecting with others who are affected and advocating for correct information, education, and treatment. In this chat, we talk on Daisy's journey to her endodiagnosis and that physical intuition she had that something just wasn't right, how going on Survivor changed her menstrual cycle and how she managed her endo symptoms whilst on the show, the challenges and barriers Daisy faces with having endometriosis, how endo has changed Daisy's mindset and what it has given her, what Daisy would like to see change within the pelvic health space and what is coming up next for Daisy. I absolutely love chatting with Daisy. She is just an absolute gem and I know you're going to love this chat. Now, here's Daisy. Daisy, welcome to Let's Talk Period. I am so stoked to be chatting with you. (laughs) Thanks, Is. It's been a long time in the making, but we got there. We got there in the end. And, you know, as long as it takes, we got it. We got it there. <laughs> we sure did. I feel like it was a grind. There was a lot of back and forth, a lot of an emotional roller coaster, but we're here. That's it. But, you know, the hardest ones are worth it. So there we go. <laughs> <laughs> I hope I'm not the hardest. I hope I'm. I know I'm never at a lack of words. It might maybe the hardest to organise. Yeah. We'll call it that. <laughs> but that's okay. Worth the wait. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> now, I know that you do listen to the pod and the first question I always ask is, what have you done to nourish your body today? So can you share with the listeners what you've done to nourish your body today? I can, yeah. Um I'm trying to more focus in on the mental health side of things of endo at the moment because um, physically my days are a bit up and down. Today's a really good day physically, but, yeah, I tend to find that's what what is my variant, so what changes the most. Um, so I was doing this a lot last year and then it kind of petered off and now I started doing it again. So I've, I've got daily affirmations on a whiteboard in my bedroom which I read aloud and I look at myself in the mirror saying every morning so that's always a good start to the day makes me feel like I can pretty much conquer anything Um, and then I got up and had a really nutritious breakfast so had coconut yogurt gluten-free muesli peanut butter honey banana all the all the yummy things delish like breakfast tick and I love the affirmations they are so powerful and I think 
people think like, oh, it's just saying some words, but like having to look in the mirror and then saying them to yourself, it's really like needing to believe what you're saying. Yeah, absolutely. And I also find um, at first, I remember last year, I used to find it so dorky. Like I was like, oh, this is so weird. And then so I kind of started baby steps where I was like looking in my car revision mirror and saying them. And then I started saying them in my mirror at home. And then when I first, yes, yeah. So yeah, it's, it's something you just kind of need to ease into. And then one day it'll just feel like second nature. I love the car mirror thing. So, guys, if we're, like, worried about it, get in the car and say them in the smallest mirror possible. Like, pull out your makeup compact mirror and just start there. Yeah, exactly. I feel like maybe home is probably more private, ironically, because you're in a closed-in bedroom, whereas, like, in a car, anyone can pull out the side yeah. you. You, you see, like, you staring in the mirror, really, like, pep-talking yourself, the car beside you. <laughs> What, what is she doing? <laughs> yeah, crazy alert. <laughs> uh, now, following on from that, uh, we often talk about strategies, therapies, physical things, people that can help us to manage our health, whether we have a chronic condition or not. Um, is there something that you would recommend for the listeners to add to their toolkits to help manage their health? Um. I kind of three main things. The first one's going to be really obvious and I know we get beaten over the head with a stick with it, but that's <laughs> exercise. So just making sure you're moving your body every day, whether that be, you know, big or small. I personally need an actual, to get an actual sweat on for me to feel good mentally. It's more mental. Again, it's that release of endorphins. So it's more of a mental thing for me anyway, regardless of the fact that it's a physical movement. Um, the second thing would obviously be, well, sorry, in, in tying with the first thing, it would be to complementing that movement with eating quite well. So I know it's very easy for us to reach for the comfort food when things aren't going great. I'm very guilty of that. Uh, it's very easy to binge out on, on naughty things when, you know, when I'm not feeling my best. Um, but I just kind of think about how bad I'll probably feel tomorrow. Like everything in port, like, you know, proportion and however you want to do it. But also I know like how guilty I get when I eat, you know, four blocks of chocolate or whatever. So <laughs> I try and avoid that. Um, also probably more on the alternative therapies method. Uh, a couple of years ago I went and did a free naturopath clinic so a naturopath um held a clinic i think it was on like a wednesday night at her uh at her clinic so and you could just come in all you had to do was register for a ticket online she gave an abundance of information about food and like how that can affect and help you with your endo symptoms so this this session specifically was a bit more endo specific so that that was good. So it was getting information that was kind of not necessarily tailored to me, but still general enough with my endo that I could use it. Um, and it was free. So, you know, why Everyone wouldn't Everyone loves I? free things, yeah. Yeah, free. You get a car. Um, <laughs> and then quite recently, I've only done one session, but I've started seeing a pelvic physio. So, yeah, found that really um 
really beneficial. She was very knowledgeable. There's a lot of stuff which I hadn't really considered affecting my endo. So, for example, I um, had a groin strain last year, like a sports injury, and I've also bruised my tailbone this year, again, a sports injury, which it's all connected to your pelvic floor. So two things that I would just was just treating as sports injuries and isolating in those two kind of areas, I wasn't really considering it all being connected to your pelvic floor or to my pelvic floor rather. So yeah, I found that found that really beneficial in the way that, you know, I, I need to think about things more holistically. Mm, and like pelvic floor physios are angels. Um, they are There's so, a reason they're called specialists. Yeah, exactly. They have so much knowledge and yeah, they really do make you think about things and you're like, wow, I never even considered that and how it all works in with breathing and yeah, like things you just do normally and then you really stop and think and go, oh, wow, this really is all connected. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it was something I was kind of on my last, last straw, we'll say, and I was like, oh, what else can I possibly do here? And, yeah, got a recommendation to go and see um, this particular boutique, boutique, wellness boutique they're called, plug, um, on the Gold Coast. So, yeah, it's been it's been really good. Um, it's a really good vibe in there too. There's nothing worse than walking into like a real, uh, I'll call it clinical, I guess, environment. But in there, you just feel the warm and fuzzies as soon as you go in the door. So yeah, it's always always nice to feel safe and safe and welcomed in somewhere talking about such a personal problem. Definitely. Um, I think the vibe or the environment is so important and like that initial feeling really like dictates your whole experience really. Yeah, absolutely. Now I know we've mentioned that you do have endo a few times throughout already. We've kind of been like breadcrumbing to this. (laughs) (laughs) You were diagnosed in 2017 with endo if I'm correct Um, Can you share a little bit about that time leading up to your diagnosis? Did you always know something was wrong and what sort of led to the diagnosis of endo and for lack of a better word, like your journey? Because we all love that (laughs) word journey. We love the word journey. (laughs) (laughs) Um, What happened? Well, yeah, it's it's very, I feel like everyone's endo stories. I don't like to generalise them, but they're very similar. It was like we all had that physical intuition that something wasn't right. So that was like me. Um, I've never, ever, ever, ever had a regular period. So from the stage that I started getting my period, it was always super heavy, very irregular, um, very painful, and I was just like, oh, something's not right here. Um, my first kind of, I'll call it pivotal in inverted commas, moment <laughs> was um, I was in Brisbane, Brisbane CBD it, at Hungry Jacks, as you, as you did oh, yeah. as a Brisbane iconic. <laughs> yeah, iconic, rite of passage. Um, and I met up with a friend, walked to the Botanical Gardens and sat down underneath a tree. I had my period at the time and I had a tampon in, not 
not scared of the TMI. Um, and it was when the stage when those black rats were really popular. So those black shiny tights that you'd buy from Supre. And then yeah. you had like the the knee-high black black sandals that went over the top of them. Um, like gladiator so yeah, had, sandals, yeah. Yeah, 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 the gladiator. So funny now. I look back and I'm like, wow, what were we thinking? Um, so, yeah, it was wearing that. Um, so sitting underneath the tree and then when I stood up to walk back into the city, something didn't feel right and I kept walking and then I looked down at my feet and there was blood on the inside of both of my ankles and I was like, what? That's so weird. And then I kind of looked down at my black tights and lucky for me I was wearing a dark-coloured pair of pants that day. But I'd lost so much blood in that time standing up, which would have only been 50, 100 metres, that it had reached my ankle. So I was like, oh, my God, this is, you know, I was must have been 15 at the time, if that. Um, so I was just mortified, absolutely mortified. And I said to this person, I was like, you need to walk in front of me because I didn't want them to see it. And also I was like, oh, my God, I want to be covered from anyone walking yeah. towards me um so made it all the way back um into the cbd and i had two other friends waiting for me there and they were with two other people we knew and they started pointing at me and they were like oh my god look at that and as i think as a 15 year old girl i was just absolutely mortified i was like oh my god like this is not okay and for some reason my mum was actually visiting in Brisbane. I went to boarding school just for a short tidbit. Um, and so I rang her and she picked me up and had a towel on the passenger seat where I was sitting. And I like saturated that towel as I was sitting there and I was sobbing in the car and I was like, something is wrong with me. And um, yeah, so that was kind of the first moment. Um, continually through high school, always had super painful periods constantly went to the school nurse who just told me I was trying to get out of PE. Um, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I still remember her name. I'd love to track her down now. I don't know why. Like, why hello, I'm yes, so- there was something wrong. No, I wasn't trying to get out of PE. I love PE. Yeah, yeah I know. Well, I didn't love PE, but in saying that, <laughs> like, it was, you know, it was one of those things that it was like, I'm not just bullshitting you here. Um, so yeah, so continue with that. Um, when I became sexually active after school there, like I, again, same thing, still always had painful periods. Um, there was stages where like, I couldn't have, I couldn't, I don't, I don't know how to explain it. I was just so uncomfortable and I was living in this like state of fear of, I was like, Oh my God, I'm constantly constantly bleeding there was one stage I think I bled every day for three months so mm. yeah it was just all this all these like red warning red warning signs when say red flags warning <laughs> signs slash red flags both of them um, <laughs> both of them but which just is like kept... interesting because the color red like <laughs> yeah it all ties in um so yeah so that was they were kind of my my main my main um things and then I, um, yeah, in the end just was like, I, I think I got misdiagnosed 10 times and there was one also another one of those moments that ingrained in my, bra- ingrained in my brain 
of a GP I went and saw, a female nonetheless, which always upsets me even more because I'm like, oh, my God, how did you not listen? Um, and said to her, I was like, I think I've got endo because I actually saw it on TV. I think the project must have done like a piece on what it was as a disease. And I remember thinking, I've got that. Like, that's that's what I've got. Like, I've been told I had irritable bowel syndrome. I was told I had a gluten sensitivity. I was told I had a bowel sensitivity. I was told I had PCOS, which I still do, but, like, it just didn't seem to be the root of all the problems. I went to this GP and I was like, look, I think I've got endo. This is my, this is my evidence. And I'd written, you know, I'd tracked my periods and my pain and how it all worked. And um, yeah, and she laughed and she was like, I can tell that just by looking at you that um, you don't have endo. And I was like, yeah, and I I remember getting back in the car, in the car park of that doctor's surgery and just screaming. So yeah, it was not, um, it was not great. It's so baffling that still, like, people don't believe what you're going through, let alone health professionals. Like, I know there's amazing people out there and, like, thankfully you found someone who did listen, but it's so baffling that people still don't listen or believe what you're going through. Yeah, it's it's crazy, I think, now because I like to – I'm very um, thankful of a lot of the healthcare – professionals I've had that have helped me along the way but I think once I it was once I found my path I guess if you will um because before that it was just I just kept taking wrong turn after wrong turn and like 10 misdiagnosis just isn't good enough no it's not so you left the doctor's office screaming in the car um (laughs) as like I'm sure we can all relate to, what happened from there? Like how did you get that diagnosis and what was that like going forward? Um, so I think from, I must have eventually got a GP that would refer me to a gynae um, and then I went and saw a gynae and he pretty much straight away was like, yep, I think we do need to do investigative. Investigative? I won't say that wrong. Investigative? No. Yep. <laughs> Yep, we'll say it. Investigative, investigative <laughs> surgery. Um, he, I booked into the first available debate he had. Um, I had the surgery, which I was signed down for excision if they did find endo. So he cut out as much as he could. Um, he said when I woke up, I remember him telling me that it looked like someone had dipped their hands in two tins of paint grabbed either side of my ovaries, dipped their hands back in the paint and then flicked them all over like my uterus pelvis area. So he said it was flecked everywhere like a galaxy. Um, what an analogy like, oh, to have. <laughs> yeah, I was like, wow, that's very poetic, but also, oh, my God. Um, so, yeah, he got as much as he could, I think, 10 months. And that was at the point where I was thinking I was bleeding every day. 10 months went by, things um, started to worsen again. I got referred to a gynecological oncologist um, who then performed an ablation surgery because they thought he could get closer to my ovary than the excision gynae could. 
Um, and so then I had that surgery. I was feeling okay. Um, went and did two seasons of Survivor. <laughs> um, went and did two seasons of Survivor. On the second season, I did had a fair bit of pain on there. And then once I came off those two seasons, after spending years and years trying to get a regular period, um, I was at the other end of the scale where I was just trying to get a period at all because when you sit on an island and you're in a calorie deficit and you're only eating 600 to 800 calories a day, um, the first thing your body does is go, no, we are not reproducing. So your period stops. Um, So I think it took about seven or eight months for me to even get my period back after that which was something I didn't even consider going on Mm. on the show that that would even be an issue I don't know why I didn't consider it but yeah um certainly wasn't something I was briefed about don't get me wrong I still would have done it but yeah it's um yeah just dealing with that and then I guess fast forward to where I'm at now um where I'm back to being in a lot of pain, um, very sporadically. It's not now, it's not around like my period or my cycle anymore. It's just whenever it feels like it. Um, I'm doing all the right things. I'm eating well. I, I exercise. I very much avoid alcohol. I drink limited coffee. I, you know, and um, yeah, I'm at the point now where I'm a bit of at a, at a wit's end and I'm scheduled for my third endolaparoscopy, my fourth laparoscopy in July. So, well, we're in July now. So, yeah, in, yeah, just over two weeks' time. Yeah, yeah, lucky lucky number four. Let's hope this one can provide some more relief. Yeah, fingers crossed. Um, I think this time I'm trying to definitely supplement the surgery with other things. Like I've always had that naturopath advice, but um, with the pelvic floor physio and, whatnot just trying to hit it from another angle as well but um yeah we'll just have to see see how it goes yeah well it's such a whole body disease and I think people forget that and like you do need all of those people to help manage each aspect of it and trying to come at it from all angles so definitely like an approach to be going for yeah definitely and I think you know I think um the 21st century now like I think we all know that popping a pill or getting out a scalpel isn't always the best answer um and if you're feeling you know if you're not if you're not treating yourself properly the whole way then you can't expect everything to kind of just disappear so yeah we'll see we'll see what happens stay tuned (laughs) (laughs) well I'm sure you'll keep us posted yeah now, I know we just briefly touched on Survivor and that's something like I wouldn't have even considered either going into it that you'd lose your period, but it totally makes sense when you're on such a calorie deficit both times. Um, I'd love to know how you did manage your endo during being on Survivor because I know you said the second time you were having some pain through that and it's not like you can reach for the hot pack and the microwave when you are on an island. So what did you do to manage your endo? Um, so the first time I was quite lucky, ironically, I was on the beach for 41 days. 
And my pain was, I did have pain, but it was more at the start and it was quite minimal. And I think, cause when I actually, I think on day one of the game, I had my period. So was kind of, and that, that was at the time when my pain was kind of in sync with my cycle. So I had that pain and I was like, yep, all right, no worries. And I just would have to lay down and kind of cop it out. They, you only really call in medical professionals if things are really, really bad. So you can't just reach for the neurofin or whatever. Um, I was quite lucky that, like I said, my pain was more at the lighter end of the scale. It was still uncomfortable, don't get me wrong. But, yeah, I could just push through it, um, which I did. And then, yeah, as as the game went on, I obviously lost my period. So the pain kind of went with it. Um, then I had six weeks in between seasons which I didn't, I didn't have a cycle in that time. I came back for season two and I don't know whether it was because I went back to not being in a calorie deficit and then jumping back into a calorie deficit. I'm not sure. I don't have a reason for the Mm. trigger, but I was only on season two for a week and I had three flare ups, three pretty big flare ups in that week. So I did have to kind of call in the medical professionals and be like, Hey, look, I need um, some pain relief or I'm not going to be able to continue here. So that's what I did. Um, I remember it wreaking absolute havoc on my tummy because it's not easy to take medication with an empty (laughs) stomach. I think as we all know, you're not not meant to take any in flams when your tummy's empty. So, um, yeah, that that was what happened there and that was kind of how I did manage it. I kind of sat by a, a warm fire and did kind of use what you would use in the normal world in however you've got it in the world you've got. So I didn't have a hot pack. So I went and sat beside a fire. I didn't have a bed to lay on. So I laid on the ground. Like you just do, yeah, kind of do what you can. Yeah. It's just like adapting and trying to make it as comfortable as you possibly can. Oh yeah, that's it. Well, you know, such an achievement regardless and especially having endo and going on there and you know doing it doing the thing even though you do have a condition like endo is just like incredible regardless yeah thank you yeah it was um it was a tough time it's kind of nice to reflect on now because at the pain level I'm at now and the fatigue I have I look at it and I'm like god I could not do anything like that right now so I guess the timing was quite lucky um, as well that it came, that I got that opportunity when I did. I'd like to sort of talk on some challenges or barriers that you face in like day-to-day life with having endo and like how it sort of impacted you. So could you just share a little bit around that? Yeah. Um, so I guess kind of the main one for me currently is I play. Um, club footy I'm not very good but I needed something physically to put my mind to and lately my pain has been so bad that I've missed a lot of sessions I've also um, been in a lot of severe pain severe enough pain where I've been calling in sick to work not able to go Um, so I guess loss of income is a massive one um, because I'm only employed casually with that company so I don't have sick days to kind of top that up. Um, 
then also not being able to do what I'm passionate about is very frustrating as well because this is kind of meant to be my footy is meant to be my fun thing and I, I'm not really um, getting that enjoyment out of it whilst I'm not going and in um, in turn like yeah it all just kind of melds in together that way um, I was going through a stage where my fatigue was so bad like it was I was struggling to get out of bed. I also do a job. I'm a personal trainer, so our gym opens at 5 o'clock. I've got to be there at 4.30. So that's a 3.30 wake-up um, three mornings a week, which is really hard. Like, I really bank on my eight hours sleep. And unfortunately, you just don't get to bed at 8.30, like, as much as you would like to. Um, also found out a lot of other stuff, but in turn, because of how much I've been bleeding, I've had low iron um, and things like that. So I had an iron infusion, which has definitely helped, um, especially on the fatigue side of things. But yeah, just kind of trying to keep that positive mindset has been what I'm focusing on because I've been falling to pieces so often. Like, I just feel like there's, I have a mini meltdown once a week and um, it's just not not that it's not good enough and not that I've, I do know I'm putting a bit of pressure on my partner like to, I guess, nurse me <laughs> when I'm having those times and he would always be there when things do get tough. But um, it's more, more for me, like I don't want to be having these mini meltdowns once a week because they're so, they're then fatiguing and then you never feel like you're catching up and you're always in this like deficit you're like constantly chasing yourself yeah you're in debt you're in not sleep debt but it's like a whole body like fatigue debt I guess Mm. that's a good analogy I haven't heard that before (laughs) (laughs) I like I like the you see all these apps now and it's like you're in sleep debt and you have to go back and have a nap and whatnot and I'm just like well, stuff like that, and I'm like, yep. So, but it's also the other things that you're doing that how much you're putting out you need to be putting back in too. Mm, exactly, making sure you're paying yourself back. Exactly. Mm. Now, I love that you mentioned mindset and I'd like to switch it up and, you know, be more positive and uplifting. I'd love to know what's something that... I think you're pretty good at that already, Is I think you're pretty positive and uplifting. You may switch it up. Maybe you could up your game. Up my positivity. (laughs) Yeah, cool. Let's make it more positive. (laughs) Yep, all right, I'm on board. (laughs) What is something that endo has given you that you might not necessarily have had if you didn't have endo? Um, Probably... I don't want to say endo gave it to me, but it's definitely encouraged it along. Definitely have more of a voice. So I've always been quite outspoken, but I think it's really important to kind of preach what is going on and give, especially because I'm quite lucky where I have a, like the following I had from the show is the demographic of like young girls and these girls are going into their teenage years and these are all going to become very, real and relevant um, issues. So I think it's really important and I'm very lucky now that Endo, I guess, in a way has given me a platform to speak about those things. So um, I guess in that way, I definitely think I'm also more resilient now and I'm a bit more of a realist. Like I'm still very go, 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 but I know 
you know, I can't go out and drink for three nights in a row. Like I don't have the tank that my friends have to be able to, you know, my liver is already dealing with all the other shit that's going on in my body. It can't be clearing out three days with alcohol too. So I just know my limits um, and I kind of stick to them. And, you know, if people want to say, oh, you're such a wolf, so you're not doing this, I'm like, well, so be it. Like I'm looking after me and, you know, I very much stand my ground with it. I'm not a pushover. Um, but, yeah, I think, yeah, definitely resilience and more of a voice would be the two things that Endo has given to me. Mm. And both so important things, I think, a lot of people would definitely relate to the resilience thing because you do have to keep getting back up, going out there and advocating for yourself. So I completely yeah, agree. What would you like to see change in the pelvic health space? Oh, um, this will probably, I'd like to think that this would come through in the coming years because of where we're at society-wise. I'd like to see more female obgynes. I feel like, I don't know, maybe it's because my three have been all males, but, and I know there are females out there, but it's like, it just doesn't, I don't know, I want there to be the abundance of females as there is males in that space. Um, Not that I don't like male treatment. I just think, I just think it should be equal. Um, so that's probably one major thing. The second would be it not being as taboo. So being able to speak very openly about it. Like when I remember, not so much now, I'm quite lucky. And I guess it comes with age, like I'm 26 and I can talk to my friends about this kind of thing. And I think I always could, but it's it's very hard when, you know, a lot of people's problems when we're 21 is like what we're going to wear out on Saturday night. And my, my biggest problem was like, wow, am I ever going to be able to reproduce? So it's all, it is, I get it. It's all very relative and we've all got our own issues. And I am quite lucky now that I do have a very supportive circle around me, but I think it's really important, especially for males and young males too, to understand that. there is other stuff going on. Uh, So, yeah, that's really important. I think also probably in the education space side of things that when we're doing reproductive health in high school or reproduction rather in high schools, that that reproductive health is um, an aspect to it too. So we talk about these diseases which are very common such as like PCOS and endometriosis and adeno as well so all these things um that we can talk about so that it's not just like oh someone talks about it one day when you're 20 and you go what's that and you get this little crash course education on it which is great and it's great that there are people that can advocate so well that they can give you that crash course but i think there needs to be a more in-depth look at it um on the education level Mm, definitely and not segregating based on gender as well because yeah you know just because you're a boy or you're identifying as a boy doesn't mean it doesn't affect you at all like you could have a partner friend sister anybody and having that knowledge and that empathy would definitely not go astray no definitely not and I think yeah that's 
that's super important. I think, yeah, also being like a stepmom of a 10-year-old boy at the moment. Like I'd love to see him get that education when he's in high school that, you know, that he's educated on, on what this disease is and then can come home and like talk to me about it. Mm, exactly. That would be amazing. Yeah, for sure. Now, Daisy, I would love to know what is coming up next for you. <laughs> um, short term, short term, I'm kind of just preparing for this surgery at the moment. So I'm just trying to stay as fit and healthy as I can so that um, my recovery is as short as I can possibly make it. Um, yeah, I've as a hobby, I guess I've kind of taken up surfing recently, which has been a nice change being, you know, in the water and it's, I'm, I'm definitely not a um, great swimmer by any means. So being able to have the assistance of surfboard <laughs> is very nice. Um, so yeah, just spending time with family and it being a bit of a family activity for us all being able to surf together has been really nice. So yeah, honing that skill, um, I'm, you know, when you kind of get hooked on something yeah. like at the moment, yeah, we, I went and got a wetsuit and now I'm looking at boards and, you know, I'm spending a lot of time focusing on that, which is good. Um, I think reminding myself to continue the good habits that I've put in place at the moment. So now that I've got back into my affirmations and my journaling sticking at it, um, so short term, that's kind of where I'm at. Long term, I'm kind of at a fork in the road at the moment trying to figure out um, like what's next for me? I'm in the health and wellness space, so I would like to stay in that. Um, which path I'm going down, I'm not sure. I've looked at potentially owning a gym. Um, so that's one avenue I may go down. But, yeah, not 100% sure at the moment. I think my blinders are on a bit. I just want to get through the next kind of couple of weeks and then long-term go from there. Mm getting this surgery over with, recovering, taking that time and then being open to what happens. Yeah, exactly. I think it's really important not to have a five-year plan and stuff because, mm -hmm. I mean, I think especially with what's happened in the last 12, 18 months, like you think things are going to go one way and things very much go another. Like I had a career, I had a career at a, you know, ASX top 200 company that, is now the company's pretty much just skin and well skeletons now so it's it's just purely what's left and had I not had I still been working there I don't know I probably wouldn't have the opportunity that I have that to move to the coast and do do what I'm doing now so I think it's really important to be open so yeah, to whatever may come in your direction. Yeah, just being flexible. And like you said, like the blinders on. If you're so focused on what you're meant to be doing, you can be saying no or like not open to other opportunities that come. Yeah, for sure. Is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners today, Daisy? Um, look after yourself. Go out there and really look after yourself. And I don't mean just like physically. I mean really mentally say those affirmations as dorky as they may sound focus on your mental health side of things because you will burn out like spend time with friends spend time with family and think about what really nourishes your soul like if you're an introvert you might need to dip into that social pool a little bit but spend more time 
on your own because that's where you recharge. If you're an extrovert, making sure you are getting that social time and then downtime when you want it. Um, yeah, just really figuring out what works for you and leaning into that. Mm, such a beautiful note to end on there. Thank you so much for coming on Let's Talk Period, Daisy, and chatting today. I've no loved chatting with you. <laughs> oh, thanks for having me. Always love chatting with you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Let's Talk Period with Daisy Richardson. If you loved hearing from Daisy and you want even more from her, you can find her over on Instagram at Daisy Richardson. If you want to keep updated with all things Let's Talk Period, you can follow us on Instagram at Let's Talk Period AU. You can also join our podcast community by searching Let's Talk Period podcast community on Facebook. Let's Talk Period is an independent podcast, so if you did enjoy this app and you do want to support the show, I would love if you could subscribe if you're listening along on Apple, so tapping that purple button and leaving a rating and review, or if you're listening along on Spotify, tapping the green follow button. And if you do want to help grow the Let's Talk Period podcast community, you could share this episode with a friend or a family member or anybody at all who you think might enjoy the show. You could even share that you're listening on your Instagram stories or grid. This really helps us to find new listeners and build the beautiful Let's Talk Period podcast community and help to provide content for free. Let's Talk Period is produced for educational purposes and the information, recommendations and topics talked about does not constitute medical advice or take into consideration your personal circumstances or medical history.